Reese's peanut butter cups are the greatest, but let me play devil's advocate here. Let's see. So, no, that's a good thing. Uh, <laughs> that's definitely not a problem. Uh, Reese's, you did it. You stumped this charming devil. Do you want a beautiful lawn? Enter True Green, the easiest way to get a great lawn. Just water and mow, and they'll do the rest. Weed control, fertilization, aeration, and more. True Green is the official lawn care treatment provider of the PGA Tour, and they have a verified best price, which guarantees you the lowest price with no compromise on quality. You do you. Let True Green do your lawn care. Visit TrueGreen.com, T-R-U-G-R-E-E-N.com, to get the best lawn at the best price with the best people. Guaranteed. This is Center Court with Hall of Fame basketball player Ralph Sampson. Center Court is presented by the Winner's Circle Network in conjunction with the Sampson Family Foundation, striving to uplift, empower, and educate the communities we live in. Now here's Ralph and your host, Mac McDonald. Welcome into the Winter Circle Network, and this is Center Court with Ralph Sampson. Great guest today. We'll interview uh, the one, the only Pete Gillen, who uh, will give us 30 minutes of rock and roll, Ralph. So I'm really looking forward to that. Pete's one of the greatest guys, but he has a lot to say about everything that's going on, and that just leads me to transition to you. And I know with all, I think a couple of weeks, you called it the wild, wild west, you know, Texas and Oklahoma, SEC, and now we have an alliance we have an alliance with no contract. We three commissioners on a handshake have said we need to strengthen the uh, the the way we look at things. We need to stabilize college athletics, and three commissioners think they can do it. I mean, can can it be done, Stick? Well, I mean, I don't. I mean, are they trying to ruffle someone's feathers? <laughs> I.e., the NCAA uh, by not having an agreement. But I mean, you know. With name, image, and likeness alliances, I mean, it's the Wild West. We talked about it before out here mm-hmm. in the in the NCAA sports world, right? So, I mean, the Pac-12, you know, was Pac-10, the Pac-12, they had their own own network, right? ACC network, Pac- Big Ten network. So all now have their own networks too, right? Right. On, on ESPN. So it's going to be interesting to see how all that panned out. But I don't know. I just feel, I mean, the, the kids that play the sports, What's going to happen to them academically or athletically? I don't know. It's going to be interesting to watch. Just to bring people up to speed in what unfolded, uh, Ralph, the alliance was set by the ACC, the Big Ten, and the Pac-12. It, uh, their their initiatives were to promote student-athlete success, work on social justice, uh, to help with a future structure of the NC2A, whichever way they're going to go to promote a college football playoff expansion, to look at that, a scheduling component, both football and basketball. And, and I want to, I want to underline for basketball as well, you know, to, to match up a, a UVA versus Washington or a Duke UCLA game. And then of course, with football, Ohio state, USC, and those kind of matchups made for television. Well, according to Jim Phillips, the commissioner of the Atlantic coast conference, he said that we did this, because we needed a direction in college athletics. In the history of college athletics, one expansion of a conference has usually led to another, to another, and to another. And to the three of us, we felt the stabilization of the current environment across Division One and FBS and, and Power Five in particular. This was its chance for a new direction. 
a new initiative that I don't think has ever been done before. So stick, we're talking about 41 schools, 27,000 student athletes, 863 teams and 31 sports. (laughs) If you want the number breakdown. So there we are. Uh, It's another step. It's an alliance. Uh, The SEC people are saying, oh, yeah, you were jealous, right? Texas and Oklahoma. I get it. Now you're trying to make a move. But this also solidifies. Here's the one key component. Now, conferences like the ACC or Big Thing can't go crazy in trying to poach and trying to build their league. We're going to work together. And, of course, the the one caveat, I can't wait to talk to Pete about it since he's been there. Notre Dame is still floating out there for Jim Phillips. And I know it's going to happen. He wants, he wants Notre Dame in the worst way. They want it bad. But, but so, but Mac, think about the smaller schools. So, I mean, this year, UVA basketball plays JMU. It's like a, mm-hmm. uh, you know, a one and two type situation. But the smaller schools that really, you know, the preseason games uh, of basketball for sure, uh, those schools that come and get paid to get their tail beat. <laughs> I think those schools are going to suffer. Those schools are going to suffer more yeah. because they don't get their money anymore. Yeah. They don't get the money for that. So I don't know how else to work, especially the lower Division One schools. Uh, it's going to be interesting to see what happens with those schools right. more than the big schools. Right. And as far as football is concerned, I've always said the FCS, the James Madisons of the world, uh, the Richmonds of the world, uh, they get it right, I feel. Yeah. Because in football – they get 16 teams and they play it off and they have a heck of a playoff and, you know, right. they only play 10 regular yeah. season games. So anyway, it's, as you said, it's going to be fun to watch. All right. We'll go to break. When we come back, the one, the only Pete Gillen, a coaching legend and one of the great minds and one of the funniest guys in the game of basketball. This is center court on the winner circle network. The mission for the Samson family foundation is simple. We strive to uplift, empower, and educate the communities we live in. The foundation promotes charitable and community input, educational development, health and fitness, and scholarship opportunities. The Samson Family Foundation's initiatives focus on patients with cancer, educational scholarship programs, and give students guidance in science, technology, engineering, and mathematics. The Samson Family Foundation encourages limitless possibilities, your financial support is tax deductible. To learn more, call 540-615-5097. The website is samsonfamilyfoundation.org. Uplift, empower, educate. It takes teamwork to make the dream work. I go into the CVS store. I says, can you get me a, one of these, you know, you think you, God bless CVS, you get the, you pick the picture and you and you throw it away and you get the picture. So I bring it over there and they looked at it. They go, "What is that?" They thought it was a bomb, you know, because they're like six centuries ahead of me. I said, "It's a new fad. Digital cameras out in the United States. They're, These are in. They're in this paper box now. <laughs> you got that little plastic." So, so they went, "Oh wow!" Building a game plan for life. It's basketball and beyond. We return to Center Court with Hall of Famer Ralph Sampson. Welcome into Center Court on the Winter Circle Network. And uh, Ralph, I'm so proud to uh, introduce this guy because uh, he's been a friend for a long time, ever since I had the chance to work with him at UVA. 
uh, a guy that was an excellent baseball player, basketball player at Fairfield University. He started coaching at Brooklyn Prep as a freshman. He, he became the varsity coach very soon. And then, he, then his trek took him from the University of Hawaii with Rick Pitino to VMI and Villanova University under Raleigh Massimino, University of Notre Dame under Digger Phelps. He was at Xavier, Providence, and truly just one of the great guys and minds, really, in the game of college basketball. He is the legend. Pete Gillen. Thanks, Matt. Great being with you and Ralph. Thanks for having me on. Yeah, thanks for being on. Coach, I'm just going to jump right in and, and let's talk about the state of college athletics, the NCAA, the Alliance, and everything that's, that's going on and has gone on in the last couple of years. Are college athletics in a good place? I am watching it, but my head's spinning. <laughs> I mean, my head is really spinning, and uh, I love college athletics. I miss coaching, in which I can still be coaching, a little too old for that, but but uh, my head's spinning now with all the, the transfer portal, about 1,700 men's basketball players are transferring, or some go back, most of them leave, and now the names, image, and likeness thing is, is, is complex, So, and the, the alliances now, for, mainly for football, with a different team, so uh, I think it's in pretty good shape, but it, it's, it's certainly uh, very intricate, and it's a little scary with, which way we're going to go. Hopefully, we'll go the right direction, but it's a little scary, Mac, to be very honest. Now, Coach, if you were coaching today and you had the – you mentioned the portal with a lot of kids going to portal, and you had a kid that wanted to leave and go to portal, and he doesn't make it, would you want him back? I I'd mean, have a hard talk with him, Ralph. Great question. I'd have a long, hard talk. I'd say, listen, now, you, you want to leave. It's fine. Tell me the reason you want to leave. Now, you didn't get anything substantial. So I would take him back. I'd be very, you know, I'm a, you know, kind of a stubborn guy, but I, I give him a chance. You know, he's a human being. He's a young man, 18, 19, 20 years old. So, but I make sure there were good reasons, Ralph, that he wanted to come back. You know what I mean? Because he still might have that burr to leave the next year. If right, right, right. I would, I would bring him back if, if he convinced me to say, listen, now, we're not going to change. You know what I mean? You're fortunate to be here at University of Virginia or Providence College or Xavier, wherever I was at, you know, mm -hmm. and I'm fortunate to coach there. But, um, this is not all about you. It's about us right. and we. And if he, he bought into that, then I would bring him back. Is it fair for the student athletes? Yes, I think it's fair for the, for the student athlete. I mean, coaches can change, go to different jobs, you know, and uh, they're not punished to get you know, more money or a better situation. So I, I think it's fair. <clears throat> but, you know, just the culture today, I know I'm an older coach, but culture today is different. When a young man, a young gal is in junior high, and they're a good player. If they don't like what's going on, they change junior high school. They get to high school. All right, they go, they're playing in high school and if they don't like what's going on, they're not getting much, much time or as much recognition, right? they change high schools during the summer, AU program. They change three or four mm -hmm. AU programs in two or three. So that's the culture now, Mac, is when things aren't going your way, bail out, go. When I was young, the term that you don't hear very often is pay your dues. You don't hear that. When was the last time you heard somebody, you know, a dad telling his son or a dad telling his daughter, hey, pay your dues. That's anachronism. That's dinosaur. So, um, you know, it's, it's just uh, it's a different time now, Mac. I think people want immediate satisfaction right away. Well, me and Mac was talking earlier, Coach, that, uh, I mean, pay your dues is, is right, but it, a kid changes AAU teams like running water because they think they'll get a better situation somewhere else and play more minutes. But I don't think the skill level is being improved in basketball at all with AAU or, I mean, and also this whole thing of 
time management and, and, and load management, whatever. <laughs> Everybody got these strapped up with these devices and all this kind of stuff. Well, you can't practice but an hour, whatever. I mean, back in your day and my day as well, I mean, you could tell me I can't play basketball for no more than 45 minutes. I mean, are you crazy? That's a joke. You're right. First, about the skill level, 100%, Ralph. <clears throat> The five-star basketball camp that you remember yeah. you know, back when you were playing and Mac members it, mm-hmm. you know, that, that was a teaching camp. You know what I mean? They taught, they had the stations in the morning and we taught, you know, for four 20 minute segments about how to right. feed the low post, how to run the pick and roll, fast break defense, contestant shots, you know, dribble, you know, all different skills of the game and coaches, we killed ourselves four 20 minute segments an hour and 20 minutes, you know, teaching. It was a teaching camp. We had the best players, you know what I mean? We, uh, tremendous players there. But there's not many teaching camps. Kids now, as you say, in AAU, they play five or six games a weekend, right? Yeah. But they're not taught, as you said, how to feed the low post. You know what I mean? How to run the pick and roll. You know what I mean? Um, sh- you know, shooting off the dribble. So the, the game, that, much more athletic, you know, when I was coaching. And, you know, you had you were a great player, great athlete. But the kids in general are more athletic, but they're not as skilled. They don't know the game, I don't think, quite as well. Uh, we're not teaching the game, I don't think, all the time as well as we should. Yeah, I think the shift from feeding, obviously being a big man, it's shift from feeding a low post to the, you can just step over three, uh, step over half court and shoot a three. I mean, you know, I, I mean, trust me, I, I would love to play the, in, in the day's game. I can be a seven foot guy and shoot a three from half court. I mean, come on, that's just crazy. But I tell people all the time, the art of the game, the UCLA cuts, the run the lane, the art of the basketball is lost today's game to me. No question. hundred percent right. It's, it's, uh, just and you know just run up and down chuck and duck heave and leave it feels like leather shoot it you know what i mean (laughs) so i stay on tv a lot ralph and mac let the big dog eat give it to the big fella let the big dog eat herschel walker's a football terminology mac knows Mm -hmm. announcer you know herschel walker was a great play for georgia the georgia of course the georgia bulldogs so that was a saying in football in georgia let the big dog eat get the football to herschel walker so same thing in basketball. Get the boy. We always worked on it. And I was lucky. I had some big guys. Uh, you might know some of them. Tyrone Hill, who played for me yeah, yeah, at Xavier. Yeah. He was 6'9", about 230, 240. Uh, Brian Grant, another guy about 6'9", uh-huh. was a good player for the NBA. And uh, Austin Crozier was a, like a wing, you know, a, a, you know, forward, power forward, small forward. So we were fortunate. I had some good big guys, and, and we got him the ball. And, and I still think it's important. It's a toughest place to guard somebody, Ralph, if – he or she knows what they're doing in the post, how to post up and seal your man, give a target. But uh, today now it's all analytics. You know what I mean? And uh, I know analy- I'm not that smart. Analytics are important. <laughs> but, but it's also, you know what I mean? Hey, how do you win? How do you win? And, and it, it, you know, the big guy gets the ball and gets foul trouble for other teams, right? Get to the one-on-one situation. Uh, the percentages are great. So I still think the big guy has a big place in the game. Okay, Coach. So you coaching today and, and somebody's, there you got to use analytics i was in uh, phoenix suns early in 2012 13 and the owner said well we got to use these analytics and we need to know that this guy can play and i had a guy named marching gorchak with a six foot eleven guy that could do low post but i want him to shoot a jump hook and i want him to get 20 points and 10 rebounds a night well we were averaging 18 and 10 and somehow the alvin gentry the head coach changed the offense where he was only doing pick and rolls from the top of the key the owner says, Ralph, I told you I want him to shoot 18 points, get 18 points a game and 10 rebounds. I said, well, Mr. Owner, he can't shoot a jump hook from the three-point line. Oh, God. You know, so he didn't understand the game. So 
I mean, how can you – would you have ever taken analytics and say that Tyrone Hill, they can shoot from one spot only and say that that's where they're more effective, but the analytics don't tell you who they're playing against to me. Exactly. They don't tell you. you got to go with your gut feeling. Analytics are important. I understand that. If some player shoots better from the right side, Ralph, than the left, all right, you, you adjust. You make – it helps you a little bit. You add it, but it can't be everything. I mean, remember the one thing in the six in my mind – Remember, uh, you know, uh, D'Antonio, Mike D'Antonio, uh, who's a great coach, Mike D'Antoni, right? And he coached in Houston and the three-point, three-point shot. They, they missed like 21 three-point shots in a row or something in a big playoff game in the NBA. <laughs> they weren't about analytics. I mean, uh, you know, their analytics are important, but I, I still think uh, you, the big guy, you got to get the ball inside, get in foul trouble, right? Get into the one-on-one, you know, get the guy out of the game. And, and if you, I, I told him, hey, if you don't give the big guy the ball in the beginning of the game, he's going to go on strike. I would love to coach you. I mean, I'm not going to rebound, I'm not going to block shots, I'm not going to win. They're going on strike. They're going to go get a beer. I mean, so, uh, you know, that's what we said, get him the ball. I mean, Tyrone Hill going on strike. I mean, him and Derek, we had Derek Strong too play for, play for me at Xavier. It was a 6'9", big guy, and it was a good play, played for Lando Magic, you know, a solid pro player about nine, 10 years. So they went on strike one game. We lost somebody with a road trip at Xavier. <laughs> we played at St. Louis. They didn't get the ball enough. So we're going to Evansville the next day. You know, Evansville's a tough, tough town. And uh, so coach, we have a meeting. What do you mean meeting? This is not a democracy. This is a, you know, authoritarian government. No, we didn't get the ball. We didn't get the ball. He says, listen, guys, we're going to get you to rock. All right. Don't worry about it. You need, we'll, get, we'll do it together. So we had a, a meeting and we got it. We, we beat Evansville the next game, but uh Sometimes the big guys, you know, I don't blame them. If they're getting banged, they're getting elbowed, they're, you know, they're in the, getting whacked. So you, you got to give them the ball. So, but you watch your game now, Ralph, it's five guys around the perimeter. Yeah. And that's yeah. okay. I'm sure it is. And every offense is the same. Dribble handoff, yeah. you know, the guy pick and roll. And, and that's, that's important, of course. But I still think you, you got to get the, the big guy the ball and get your best players the ball in spots where they're most successful. We were bleeding from the eyes, foaming, veining. Gonzo was crazy. I swear to God, driving on the sidewalk, there's guys with fruit fenders are jumping out of the way. And I'm going, we're going to die. It makes a U-turn and we get caught up in the cab. It's oh. stuck because cars are so close together, you know, coming back the other way. And Gonzo opened his car door and we get hooked on the back of a cab. The Winner's Circle Network and the Sampson Family Foundation present Center Court with Ralph Sampson. Uplift, empower, educate. Welcome back to Center Court with Ralph Sampson. I'm Mac McDonald. Pete Gillen is our guest. Uh, Pete, it's so great to have you here. And, uh, you know, Pete just has so many wonderful takes regarding, uh, you know, college athletics and basketball and even football. Pete's a broadcaster now with CBS Sports. Uh, Pete, with the alliance that we touched on that was announced yesterday by the ACC the Big Ten, and the Pac-12. You know, they're looking at the future structure of the NCAA. They they want an expanded college football playoff. I think, you know, they want to protect their leagues now with the, the Texas-Oklahoma move. How do, you, how do you look at all that has gone on and, uh, you know, and what is going on in college athletics? I know we touched on it in the first segment, but how do you, how do you look at the inside of what is really happening in college athletics? Well, it's mind-boggling, Mac. You know, uh, it's all about money, of course. Everything's about money. Uh, Oklahoma and Texas coming to the SEC, uh, it's all about money. They were getting good money, uh, my understanding, uh, when the Big 12, but they're getting more now with the SEC. So uh, I think the ACC, Big Ten, and Pac-12 are saying, all right, 
check, well, we got to do something so we're not left behind. So they're forming an alliance and uh, just on a handshake, which to me is a little shaky. I mean, <laughs> I, I grew up in Brooklyn, three-fingered Willie. Bullhead, right. if I show cancer to them, they're right. in jail now. They, they don't listen to this podcast. So, but, uh, but, but, you know, at least they won't find you. Guys, but, but if you get new representatives, Mac, right? New presidents and chancellors, mm -hmm. you know, then, hey, I, we didn't make that again. So you got, uh, but doing it all for money. Uh, and once again, I, I think it could be a good thing. You know, teams will play each other, hopefully, and, and rivalries, new rivalries are developed, as you mentioned, in scheduling. Uh, everything's about money. They dig more sizzle so that we get more money from the TV partners when Pac-12 can play some more games and the uh, Big Ten ACC. So it'll be interesting. I think it's a counter move to the SEC, in my opinion, because SEC was great, especially in football. But now adding Oklahoma, Texas, two tremendous brands. I think that uh, the other schools, other conferences, MAC, the ACC, Big Ten, and Pac-12, figure they had to do something mm -hmm. right to offset this unbelievable explosion by the SEC. So. I think it'd be good. I think it can help basketball. Uh, I think right now it's in the beginning stages, you know, who's going to play who or whatever. But I think it could be good. But I think down the road, we could be moving away from the NCAA. You know what I mean? More with, the, you know, the name, image, and likeness. So I'm sure the NCAA is a little scared with all these things going on, these mm -hmm. movements. The, the Power Five could break off if you heard about, you know, down the road. Sure. The right. four or five years possibly. How do you think, Coach, that will affect the players? I mean, I'm more concerned about the players and their, their education and, and their sports after they finish playing the game at the college level. Can they get a you know good job? Because, you know, sometimes that doesn't work out well. Guys don't graduate typically. Graduation rates are low. But now i got to realign this thing. And it's going to take a couple of years for me for everybody to adjust, especially with the name of image and likeness, this realignment. What is your opinion about it? Because, like I said, it's going to be crazy for a little bit here. I agree. Great question, Ralph, again. Uh, yeah, the players, uh, you know, your education lasts forever. We used to tell that when we recruited young men and wherever school is at. And not many guys could be getting the NBA. The percentage, of 2 or 3% go to play, maybe another 3 or 4% go to Europe. I mean, you were a great player, but not everybody has that option. So, uh, yeah, nobody mentions that right now, Ralph. They're talking no. about money, you know, the excitement of games and games mm -hmm. and, and, you know, people – uh, worrying about games, betting on games and watching games and all right, that. Right. Stuff. So, so uh, yeah, I, that's a great question. Uh, hopefully they'll take care of the players. And, and that's one thing I was proud of as a head coach for uh, 20 years, assistant for 10, but as a head coach, like 98% of our guys graduated only two or three in my 20 years did not receive their diploma. And, uh, you know, they had to earn it. They, nothing was given to them at Virginia, Providence and Xavier. Uh, so, and they're, you know, they're doing well, most of the guys. So we, we forget that sometimes because they, they all dream that they're going to be a great player, playing the right. NBA Mac, right? And Ralph mm -hmm. all the time, make tons of money and live the dream. But uh, very few can make it. And a lot of injuries now with the uh, players get hurt a lot. So uh, I hope they don't forget that. But uh, sadly, money dictates everything. When you have yeah, problems, yeah. money, right? There's corruption at times in sports and college sports. It's money. Coaches want to make more money. Players, some of them got the handout, their family. So money creates a lot of problem. But this alliance is obviously for money. And, you know, they want to be the top dog. It's just like facilities. It's always team want to make bigger facilities. If somebody has an indoor football practice play, well, we got to have one just as nice. And mm -hmm. same thing, basketball practice. So it's, it's really professional sports, Mac, you know, and Ralph at the college level in a lot of ways. Right. 
Coach, that is so well said. And, you know, there there has been a lot of talk, and especially from Coach Mike Krzyzewski, talking about college basketball more or less being ignored sometimes. They need a, a czar, somebody to, you know, a commissioner of just college basketball. And, Pete, you would be great. I mean, you would be dynamic in that, in that position. But do you see – Hopefully in the future, do you forecast that maybe college basketball will, will get that guy to, to kind of help promote the game and, and settle on some issues? No, no question. I think it'd be a great, great move, Mac. That could, yeah, I think you need that. I think right now we're not getting a, a direction from the NCAA. You know what I mean? Right? We're not getting that. They're, they're kind of buckling up. You know what I mean? They're, they're worried about what's going on. Right? You know what I mean? They don't want to they don't want to make any inroads. They don't want to upset anybody. So. I think they should, Mac. They should have a czar, somebody like a Terry Holland would have been great, you know, if he wanted to do mm-hmm. that. Very intelligent. Terry was so smart, he'd have 10 reasons to do things. I saw <laughs> He lost me at hello. I love that. <laughs> he thought of things I, I never dreamed of. You know what I mean? He, he looked at me inside out. Terry was great. I love working with him. He hired me. And, but somebody like that, uh, you know, would be a, a great czar of basketball, Mac. Pete, I love the fact you mentioned uh, Terry Holland. I remember one time you talking about innovation. I remember one time we were talking about the college bowl system, and he said, I've, I've got a great idea. Let's play all those t- lower-tier bowl games in August. Let's match up teams that are 0-0. Zero and zero. It's vacation time. People will travel. And then we can take the top-tier bowls of four or five big games in late December and January. You know, it, it's stuff like that. Dude. You know, that's just innovating. And you know what? I thought it was a great idea. And to this day, I still think it makes sense. Yeah, he always was innovative, right? He wanted to change things up a little bit. He was. No, he, he always thought things through. But he had, he had a great career. He was great to me. Pete, is college basketball in a good place? Well, <clears throat> right now, in all candor, no. I think it's the greatest game. I love the game. But uh, I, I hate the idea 1,700 young men are you know in the transfer portal. Right, right now, the name, mm-hmm. image, and likeness. I think the player should get something, but I hope it's under control. It's structured. They should get something because p- coaches are making a lot of money right now. They're making four million a year, two million a year, tons of money. Right, some of the coaches. So players should get something. I really believe they should get something. Uh, but uh, it just scares me now, and, and with so much money involved, uh, there's a decent amount of cheating, Mac. How much I don't know, but more than when I was coaching. Mm-hmm. Tell you that, I can't prove it. I'm not going to name any names, but sure. there is. Because there's so much money involved. There's so, you know, coaches are getting $4 million a year. So they want to keep their jobs. Assistants are getting 500000 at the big schools. You know what I mean? Yeah. So they want to keep their jobs. So they're going to say, hey, I think it's a great game. But like I said, there should be a czar. And I wish the NCAA, when somebody commits an egregious crime and they're caught, punish that person. Punish that school, right? Mm-hmm. All right. Coach, you can't coach for 10 years in the NCAA. School, you're on probation for three years. You can't go to the NCAA. That doesn't happen. They give them a slap on the wrist. So right. what's the message now to kids? You know what I mean? To, to young people, young coaches going in, young ADs. You, you know, when somebody makes an egregious crime, they should be punished, you know what I mean, S- significantly. And, and, and unfortunately, that's been done very, very rarely. Yeah, no, I always thought there should be – you label as a student slash athlete. Right. So a regular student can go get a part-time job in the summer or a job in the summer, right, where an athlete can't. Right. So pay me what a student can get in a job somewhere. If it's middle way, you can track that through to pay stubs and everything else. Right. You can track all that. You can't yeah. track cash money, but you can track. There was a way. To, I always thought that I'm a student athlete, so I should be a regular student, but I'm also an athlete that's making the school a lot of money. Right. Exactly. So pay me as a student 
So at least have some money to, to live on as a normal student. No question. I, that probably wouldn't fly today because it's so out of whack. No, because people education is super important, but times change and you know rules got to change. You know what I mean? The same thing, even the Catholic Church, whatever. You know what I mean? Times change. You got to adjust. Young men and women don't go to church anymore, right? Because they, right. they adjust. I mean, certain principles are there, but you got to have. I think you got to change with the times, and that's me anyway. You got to be adjust. So I agree. Players should get something. Should get some type of remuneration. I think. You know, for nine months, or whatever it is, $125, $150, whatever it is, something significant. You know what I mean? And, and especially if the schools are being successful, if the schools right. are making a lot of money, well, shoot, why shouldn't they share in the dividends? You know what I mean? Something around. So I, I agree 200%. I mean, uh, you know, a lot of players I coach, you know, they, they didn't have much money. You know, they were great right. players at Providence and other places and great kids, but they didn't have it. You know what I mean? So I was scared to give them money because they turned me in. They get mad at me, and then I'm. In- <laughs> <laughs> you know I mean? so, but uh, you know, it just uh, you know, I, I think the, the I think the name, image, and likeness is great, but hopefully it's it's structured. You know what I mean? It's some type of organization with it. Matters. Yeah. I mean, now that's to me that's a little scary. The odds of Virginia in those last three plays, winning in overtime, winning by one, all right, against Auburn, and winning in overtime against Texas Tech, the odds were like one in 210,000. So it was like, there's ex machina. It's Latin. <laughs> I study Latin. All right. God came down from the heavens. I mean, Virginia made every big play. They made every clutch play. So mentally tough, but it was just beyond belief all the different things that took place. You're listening to Center Court with Hall of Famer Ralph Sampson. Center Court is presented by the Winner's Circle Network and the Sampson Family Foundation. This is Center Court on the Winner's Circle Network with Ralph Sampson and Pete Gillen is our guest. Just a, you know, a terrific coach and a guy who uh, really touched a lot of lives and, you know, makes friends everywhere he goes. Now a, a wonderful broadcaster with CBS. Pete, what would be some of your fondest memories as a head coach in the college game? So that's a great question. Uh, <clears throat> I just, you know, my fondest memories is, is keeping in touch with some of the players that I coach. That's my fondest memories. You know, I love winning. Of course, we were fortunate. We won almost 400 games, 392 games, uh, you know, as a division one coach, mm. head coach, but uh, the memories, uh, you know, the players, when they call me, uh, you know, once in a while, a player, he texts me or something like that. You know I mean? That, that's my fondest memories and to see them do well. You know, we, we had the word family in the back of our shorts at Virginia, also at Providence and mm. also at Xavier. That wasn't my idea. It was our uh, trainer. Uh, and he, he was called the healer. You know, James <laughs> lost the healing. He, he was a great guy. He healed. I don't know how he did it, but he healed. You know, but <laughs> he was a great guy. So, but we tried to be like a family. We meant that. And we said, hey, we, you know, we're, we're you know, going to help you not just for four years, but the next 40 years if we can help you. Not that we can do everything, but if we can call to help you situation, maybe get a job or whatever, or recommend you. And uh, that's my best memories when I, I get a call from a Jamal Walker at Xavier. You know, he, he called me once in a while. We, we touched base with, with him, you know, uh, or Jeff Massey, who played for us uh, also at Xavier. I him, him a lot. You know, Walt Corbin, who played for me at my first year at Xavier, was a walk-on on our team. He gave me a text the other day. So that's my best memories. <clears throat> when the players, they, they get keep in touch with you, you know, and I lost touch with a lot of them because, you know, 30 years is a long time, but keep in touch with players uh, uh, like John Good, who was my first recruit at uh, Virginia Military. I was in Hawaii, mm-hmm. three years, eventually Rick Pitino. We, we lasted a year and 
we, there's some problems going on, so they threw us in Pacific. Corona <laughs> <laughs> fish biting us like really wound up at VMI. Now, can you imagine going from Hawaii to VMI? Uh, we had one guy named Packy Ryan at Hawaii, right? I went to practice in the morning. He was a surfer from Michigan. He had bleached blonde hair. He used to go surfing in the morning, come to the shoot around the day of the game, and like walk on the court. It's all sand on the court. What the hell? Why is all this sand? Oh, it's Packy Ryan. He's shooting pregame in the flip flops. You know what I mean? Yeah, he got sand all over the court. Like, what's going on? Yeah, 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 so I went to CMI. We'll get so, But Don Good is the guy, my first recruit from the Bronx. I said, hey, at VMI, you can get nice white pants, brand new black shoes with a shine, get free haircuts. Girls love uniforms. Don't worry about it. <laughs> that was, that was your recruiting pitch. That was the recruiting pitch. That was a recruiting pitch. You had the laundry done, no problem. You got a few dollars from the state, the state school. You, you know. That's wild. And so we lived on the base my first year. And they're running around the rat. So we get there. You get some guy about five foot one screaming at him, brother rat, we better run the five. Foot one. <laughs> the rats. He wanted to kill me. They'll call rats. He's going to choke me. He's running around the parade grounds with a bunch of Persia guys. So I said, oh my God. So I saw him the next day. You know, he's going to shoot me. But that is great. Uh, but kept in touch with him. You know, so, and he's a, he's a, a, a you know, a, works for IBM now. He's vice president, travels all over the world. So to see guys that I coach maybe helped a little bit, a little mm-hmm. bit. You know, mm-hmm. be successful in their lives. But, so, Coach, the one and done's, you know, you talk about relationship with players. I, I mean, I was, my high school coaches in his early 80s, Coach Holland's in his late 70s, uh, Don Nelson, Bill Fitz. So pretty much all the coaches I've had through my through my life, right, I still have somewhat of a relationship with. Great. I don't think – and players I play with, right, we have a relationship. I don't think guys today, especially in the college ranks, that do this one and done or stay or go – it's not the same anymore. So when they get older in life, they're not going to have those relationships that could be crucial for them for their next chapter of life, which nobody's saying. So I, I get that feel from even my sons that play Minnesota and Georgia Tech. You know, one has a relationship with, with Tubby Smith a little bit, and one has a relationship with, doesn't have a relationship with his college coach at, at Georgia Tech when he was there. And I keep that stay connected to your network. You know, you got to stay connected to these people because they, were a bridge for you when you got to play at the college level. They'll be, be a bridge for life that becomes a good friend that you would invite to your house and have dinner with and hang out because that's what life's all about to me. And I'm sure you do that as well now, even today, as you are commentating with ESPN and doing things that you reach out to your players like they reach out to you. I think that's missing in today's, in today's game, especially 100% about- right, Ralph. I, I, God sham God, who I coach at Providence, you know, and uh, he was a point guard. If you coach God, you can't win with God. You're not a very good coach. <laughs> you know, he, he works now with the Dallas Mavericks, and he's a development guy, right? And he called me a couple of days ago. Uh, he says, hey, coach, I got a chance to go. And I won't mention it. This NBA team, that NBA team. But Mark Cuban said he's going to take great care of me. What should I do? He said, well, I said, I know you want to be a full-time assistant rather than just a development guy, which is great. I said, hey, you know, if Cuban says he's going to take care of you, I would stay with, you know, with Dallas for, you know, another year, but tell him I'd like to be an assistant someday, you know, a full-time assistant, you know, either with Mavericks or some other team, just let him know. So he wound up, you know, staying with Mavericks and everything, but it made me feel good that he asked me my opinion when he yes, was going to yes. take a step in his life. In 1981, Virginia takes his little trip to Notre Dame. Uh, Ralph Sampson just happened to be a part of a team with Jeff Lamp and Lee Raker. And Notre Dame and Virginia had a 28 game winning streak after winning the NIT the year before. And now they play this little game outside of Chicago in the Horizon Center. 
And there it was again. Digger did it to UCLA, and Digger ended up doing it to Virginia. Coach Pete Gillen was on that bench. Pete, what do you remember about that about that day in late February? Virginia, Thanks, Notre uh, Dame, huh? We're up at the Horizon Center, it was called then, in Chicago. You know, yes. a neutral site, but mainly, you know, Notre Dame fans. And, uh, you know, they had a great, great team. But I, I think that game, if I recall, <clears throat> Jeff Jones, who was a tremendous point guard, he's doing a great job coaching, I think. He was a point guard, so we kind of left him alone. We played, mm-hmm. you know, two guys around Ralph the three. You know, we had everybody. We had great talent. I mean, we didn't have a Ralph Sampson. We Orlando Walridge, sadly, who passed, was a great player. Kelly Trapuca, John Paxson was a very good college player, played in the NBA for a while with Michael Jordan, the Bulls. And so we, you know, Tracy Jackson, we had a good team. And we, we just surrounded, you know, Ralph with two or three guys. And we got lucky. They were ahead, and we came back at the end. And, um, you know, Ralph, uh, Orlando you know, wasn't a great shooter. Lord of Mercy, I wasn't a great shooter. He had a shot about <laughs> 24 feet on a wing, you know, went in. So we, 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 were, we, were, we were blessed. Uh, we were fortunate to win. Uh, you know, if we would have played, you know, 10 times, they probably would have beaten us nine out of 10. But we, we got lucky. We got the one. But Digger was a great coach. He was great to me. I know some people, you know, have different thoughts. But uh, Digger was a great coach. Give him three days to prepare. He was awful good, you know. Mm-hmm. And uh, quick story with Digger. My first year at Notre Dame, all right, I had a scout in the end, and he says, "All right, Gillen, it's your scout. All right, if we don't, you know, win this game, it's your butt." I go. Oh, <laughs> now Notre Dame hasn't beaten Indiana at Indiana since the Franco-Prussian War. So I was so I scouted. So all right, long story longer. So I, I went down to see him practice for an exhibition game. It was early in December. All right, this Monday. So Digger says, "All right, we're gonna have a meeting. We're playing Saturday uh, against Indiana at Indiana." All right, so he says to Pete, first question, all the, all the coach, I got a box. I'm going to show you a thing. I belong with Notre Dame. He says, right, we're playing in Indiana. Okay. They had the choice of basketball. What type of ball did they use in Indiana? It's round. It's orange. It seems it's, 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 it's good. It bounces. <laughs> he looked at me like that. He says, no, no, Chuck. He goes, was it a Spalding? Is it a Nike? Was it a McGregor? You know? I said, I don't know. So he ripped my, he ripped every entrail in my body, my, my colon, my esophagus. He ripped everything out of my body. He says to me, listen, he says, little things are the big things, right? Some players don't care, but some players are squirrely. They want to practice for three days with the ball we're going to use. You know what I mean? The seam's a little different. The leather's a little soft, a little harder. See, so he said, so he says, jerk, we, we, we don't know. So I found out we practiced. So every time I see a game, I have no idea the offense or the defense with CBS. <laughs> but I know what know the, the whole team. <laughs> that's, that's I learned sweet. a lesson. Little things matter. The big thing. Little things matter. Little things matter. You should have asked Digger. Did that uh, tuxedo he wore after the game? Did that matter? Because he always came out a little bit flamboyant. That was fun. Yeah, uh, Pete. Before we go, what was your philosophy with the men in black and white? I, I probably should have been tougher on them. You know what I mean? The referees, I, I, I didn't go after them too much. I, I used to tell the guys a lot of times, hey, you're a Final Four referee, you know, do it the same thing. You're a great referee. Keep doing it. You know what I mean? Or you can't miss that call. So that was my line. But I, I, the one time we beat, we beat Duke twice at home at Virginia. Mm-hmm. And the one time we, we, I said, hey, screw this. Coach K gets every call. I mean, he's a great coach. This is ridiculous. We're at off late. So I, we had, you know, the, all right. If I get thrown out, I'm going to get thrown. I said, Walt, you take care of the offense. The other guy, you got the team. So I got a team. I'm going crazy. Like this. We wound up coming back for big devils to win the game. Right. So I should have got more. Uh, but they got a tough job. Uh, they're human like everybody else, you know. So I, I, I didn't complain enough. I probably should have complained more. 
a squeaky wheel gets the oil, but I didn't get enough oil, but uh, they, they get a tough job and they, they do a great job. And, and uh, you know, but it's a very difficult, especially now. I don't know how they do it now, Ralph, with the speed. and oh the my God, yeah, yeah. It's just unbelievable. But uh, I, I, I respect them, but I didn't get too many tees. I might've got as a head coach, maybe six or seven in my 20 years as a head coach. I, I should have got more. Matt. Yeah, that's good. Well, Pete, we can't thank you enough. It has been such a pleasure and some really good insights. I promise us you'll come back. Uh, we've only scratched the surface and uh, it just would be good to, to get caught up again before the season. Maybe we'll do a preview when we get into October. It'd be fun to get your take on you know, who's hot, who's not. It's just, uh, it's always great to catch up. Best to the family. We love you. And uh, see you around Charlottesville for sure. We had to get it yeah. together. Thanks, Max. Thanks, Ralph. It's an honor being with you guys and uh, continued success. And Ralph, congratulations on your great career. Mac, your great career in the, the media. The one, the only, the legend, Pete Gillen. We'll return after this. To get into sports casting, you need experience just to get your foot in the door. I can't tell you how many times in my career somebody will ask me, how do I get into your business? How do I become a sportscaster? The first thing I ask is, what have you done? Do you have any experience? And the answer is normally nothing yet. It's because they couldn't find a program that provided the real world experience that you need to get started. So I set out to create a program designed for the next wave of sportscasting talent. And my partner was an obvious one. Full Sail University, great track record in entertainment and media, great alumni group, and the ability to evolve as the industry changes. We're offering a bachelor's degree that combines the professional expertise that my fellow sportscasters and I have built our careers on with the technologies shaping the world of sports. To succeed in this business, you have to be ready for what's next. But the core of great sportscasting I don't think will ever change. And this program brings it all together. Welcome back to Center Court with Ralph Sampson. And uh, if there's anybody that makes me smile, it's Pete Gillen. And he's always made me smile. He's always made me laugh. But I've always listened to him because I've always thought he's really one of the smarter guys in college athletics. I love I love me some Pete Gillen, Ralph. Well, I mean, how can you not like Pete Gillen? I mean, his, you know, his demeanor, his fiery red hair, and <laughs> the way he, you know, you know he take a jacket off, he's all sweaty. And then he's into the game. And you don't find coaches like Pete Gillum too often that have the passion for the game. And, and you know, at every level, uh, mm -hmm. at every – from the time the buzzer began to end to the student athlete, you know, one of, our, one of a kind coach. And I'm glad he was part of the UVA fire at one point in time in his career. Yeah, absolutely. I think maybe the only college coach who at one time – spent all five of his timeouts in the first half. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> and he called him in a heartbeat, that's for sure. Yeah, he always said, he didn't care. He he didn't always care. said you can't take him to the grave. Hey, I know you've got something really exciting. Before we go, uh, I know you got something coming up again, and uh, it's all over Instagram. And uh, I, the Samson Classic is going to be at the Horizons Edge Sports uh, Campus, September 25th and 26th. You're recruiting teams. Uh, tell me about this little Ralph Samson initiative. This sounds like some fun. Well, you know, it's like the, uh, you know, all the tournaments that kids go to uh, across the country. So we're starting our, 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 our getting our feet wet in, in that venue uh, with some type of tournament like this. But next year we'll grow up even more. But, not, you know, Mike, me, not just a basketball tournament, mm -hmm. uh, not just you go play and throw the ball up and the kids play. There'll be something for the parents. There'll be something for the coaches. 
there'll be something for the student athletes that play not just basketball, but life skills and stuff that will interject into this tournament that it hadn't been done, at least in my view, hadn't been done forever. So I'm excited about it. This is the first of many. So it's coming up. Everybody can check it out at HorizonEdgeSportsCampus.com. Uh, you can look at SampsonBasketballAcademy.com, and you can see these things out there and uh, sign up for it. Ralph, are you looking at and have you looked at the AAU model and say, hey, I want to build on that. I want to make it better. Is that something you've studied over the years? Mike, I've studied that since my kids were coming up and and, and they played in the AAU. I never mm-hmm. liked the AAU model mm-hmm. uh, just because I think after a number of years, it was good in the beginning, but everybody started to take advantage of it. And I get kids now, you know, you know, I love my high school coach and Roger Burke. Sure. So it took the high school coach out of the game. And then made the AU team much more powerful than the high school coach. Because mm-hmm. the high school coach had to worry about academics and life skills and everything in school, where the AU coach is only worried about putting these kids in a hotel room, like five or six in one room, yeah. playing four or five games. And, and, and we're talking the NBA professional sports, t- time management. And you got a kid out there playing five <laughs> games in one day. That just doesn't work. Yeah. So it's just a matter of how all that is portrayed in the industry of how we do this. But I don't like the AAU model. So the thing that I want to do is the kids play, but also teach the game of basketball and life skills and academics and nutrition as well. That will help them with life, not just basketball. Yeah. The AAU coaches pretty much only had to worry about getting gas in the van. Uh, and, make, and making the sure game. they had directions. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, good stuff. Stick um, next week. Looking forward to it. Donnie Mikowski is going to join us. Former Green Bay Packer, former Cavalier. He's had more surgeries than the ER series. So uh, looking forward to talking to Magic, getting caught up, and uh, finding out about. Well, we'll get kind of a drop on the NFL. So for Ralph Sampson, I'm Mac McDonald. That's center court for this week. You have a great week. You've been listening to Center Court with Hall of Fame basketball player Ralph Sampson. Our podcast is available on the Believe Network at BLEAV.com. Center Court is presented by the Winner's Circle Network and the Sampson Family Foundation. For more information, log on to SampsonFamilyFoundation.org. Uplift. Empower. Educate. Teamwork makes the dream work. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, click Grainger.com, or just stop by. Granger, For the ones who get it done.